These, uh, yeah, all, all of these people that are playing on this show with you, I mean, were they friends of yours from before, or did you have a wish list and start calling people up? How did that work? Well, they're all huge influences, and um, I guess it's like a wish list, and I've been fortunate enough to be friends with all of them. And then the show that we've been playing on this tour, it's like a rock and roll review kind of. It's uh, my band, just part of one set that we do, and in, in that set comes on and off uh, Peter Wolf from the Jag Isles Band and also legendary uh, Reverend Run from uh, Run DMC. Mm -hmm. Great set with them, so it's just... Uh, We've been calling it like a musical journey through American music, basically. Yeah. Basically, just the whole evening. Especially with you coming from Detroit, because it's kind of got almost like a Motown angle to yeah. it in terms of like in the in the days of Motown, all of those artists used to get together and do their own shows, and you get amazing bills, and you don't get that in any genre of music now, really. No, I was watching these old shows from like Australia or somewhere called the Tammy Shows, and they, they had featured all these different acts from you, know, you get Chuck Berry and, and uh, Ike Turner, and then you get the Beach Boys and. You know, just so on and so on. They just come off this revolving stage, and it's just the amount of music that you saw from all these different genres. I mean, st there's still a common thread to it all. It was yeah. just great music. I thought, wouldn't that be fun to take it out as a tour and just put together a great band? And you can also give the people, like, a pretty good ticket price because yeah. everybody doesn't have their own entourages and bands and light rigs and sound guys. So, especially in this day and age when everybody's hurting for a buck, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not only the funnest tour I've ever done, I'll just also just made the most sense. What about set list, though? Because when you've got those kind of people on the stage, there's so many great songs you could play. Do you change oh. it up night by night, or, or how's that work? No, I, I, we have changed some of my own stuff up, but once I got into a routine, especially like Rev Run, and Peter um, and we fine-tuned it at the beginning of the tour we've also had Dickie Betts out with us from the Almond Brothers mm. um, it's just kind of we, we kind of put this together it's almost like some sort of weird demented Broadway play where mm. everybody knows what's going on and we kind of you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of pyro and extras it's just it's really just a great night of music it's just in so many familiar songs and just the way we put it together is something very unique you know yeah it's um we're excited about it man it's just um it's been one of the greatest things I've had uh, opportunities to do in music. Welcome to another episode of the Slam Fest podcast, where we bring the premier rock concert pregame and experience from the parking lot to the podcasting airwaves. I'm Brad. So back to my concert chronology this week. Three things with regards to this show. Number one, I saw the second of two hometown shows for the headliner. Number two, there was no opening act but the headliner brought three special guests on stage throughout the show and performed some of their songs with them. And three, this was another new venue to me. This episode is going to revolve around the Kid Rock show with special guests Peter Wolf, Rev Run, and Dickie Betts. I saw on February 9th, 2008 at Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. So I had only seen Kid Rock one time before, back in 2002 in Kansas City, Missouri. So this is the first time of uh, many that I saw him in his hometown of Detroit, Michigan. So again, it was a two-night stand, Friday, Saturday, and ended up seeing the Saturday night show. Matt flew up for this show Friday, and we drove down there. Saturday, and I'll talk a little bit about uh, our pre-gaming and our uh, walk <laughs> to the venue. So again, a unique situation with no opener, but having these three artists along with him, bringing them out different times kind of throughout the show and performing some of their songs with them, which made it, you know, a three-hour extravaganza from start to finish so backgrounds with the bands on the bill so peter wolf slash jay giles band you know growing up obviously was exposed to centerfold and freeze frame i think my brother had both of those 45s was not aware of any of their late 60s 70s material whatsoever until much 
much later. And actually, after learning a little bit more about them, thinking that they were from Detroit, and we'll get into that in a minute. Again, obviously, the videos uh, for those big songs in the early 80s and the 45s that my brother had. Revron and Run DMC, you know, as with most, the Run DMC Walk This Way video with Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, the video, that whole thing. And again, never owned any of their material, but uh, was a fan of pretty much everything that they uh, that they put out. And then Dickie Betts, obviously Allman Brothers band uh, fame, and you know got into them in college. Again, listening to a real classic rock radio station that didn't really have growing up, but had going to college and and just really more of a hits guy with regards to the Allman Brothers. And now on to the show. And as I mentioned, this was a new venue for me, at least from a concert standpoint. I'd been in the Joe many, many times for Red Wing hockey games. And Matt and I actually had been in there for that uh, Great Lakes Invitational, uh, some college hockey in there. And then I think Holly and I went to a Cirque du Soleil event in the Joe as well. But up until this point, I had not been in there for a concert. And this venue has a lot of history with regards to concerts, multi-night stands of tours, and of course, which I've brought up many times before on the podcast, the ACDC Flick of the Switch tour show that was recorded and shown as a Saturday night MTV concert, which is one of my first memories of ACDC and just an unbelievable (laughs) performance and something that my brother points to as well as just being the pinnacle for them. So the Joe, Joe Louis Arena, opened December 12th, 1979. Capacity for concerts, (laughs) 21,666, which is ironic. And replaced the classic Olympia Stadium, longtime major venue and home of the Detroit Red Wings from 1927 to 1979. So I just wanted to run through some historic shows, you know, multi-night stands that the Joe has hosted. So the first show was Rush. Permanent Waves Tour, February 17th, 1980, and they actually played two nights, so February 19th of 1980 as well. Journey Escape Tour, two shows, May of 1980. Alice Cooper, actually two shows with opener Billy Squire in August of 1980. Sticks, couple shows in April and May of 1981. Again, Alice Cooper, Joe Perry Project, a couple shows in July of 1981, which again isn't surprising. Mentioned a couple of Cooper tours. Cooper was obviously uh, not from Detroit, but they really got their big break in the Motor City. Bruce Springsteen, couple shows, August of 81. Again, Rush, couple shows, November of 82. Journey, Brian Adams, three shows, June 1983. The Police on their Synchronicity Tour with special guest Joan Jett, three shows in July of 1983. And the aforementioned ACDC Flick of the Switch Tour with Fastway opening, couple shows in November of 83. Bruce Springsteen again, couple shows in July of 83. Tina Turner, a couple shows, August of 84. And then the big one, which I still have a hard time believing. Prince, 
Purple Rain Tour, November 4th, 5th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 11th, and 12th of 1984. And as we all know, he's not from Detroit. He's from Minneapolis. Deep Purple, Reunion, Perfect Strangers Tour, a couple shows in February and March of 1985, Triumph and Helix, a couple shows April and May of 1985, Van Halen, 5150 Tour, three shows in May of 85, ZZ Top, a couple shows April 1986, Genesis, Invisible Touch Tour, three shows in September of 86, Journey, Raised on Radio Tour, a couple shows October of 86, and again, Alice Cooper with <laughs> Vinnie Vincent Invasion opening, a couple shows in October of 86, actually October 30th and October 31st, so very fitting for Detroit. Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet Tour, three shows in May of 87, Boston, third stage tour, four shows in July of 87. Motley Crue with Whitesnake on the Girls, Girls, Girls Tour, a couple shows in July of 87. Aerosmith, Permanent Vacation Tour, a couple shows December of 87. Again, Rush, a couple shows March 88. Bon Jovi on the New Jersey Tour, a couple shows in March and May of 1989. Ted Nugent in REO Speedwagon, a couple shows in September of 02. So now this is interesting. <laughs> two separate tours for REO Speedwagon in the 2000s. And they've got two nights on each. So September of 2004, two nights, and then August 2005, a couple nights as well. Kid Rock, so he played in February of 06, a couple nights. Foo Fighters, a couple nights in February of 08. Def Leppard, Sticks, and REO, that tour hit April of 08, and then August of 08 as well. Metallica, a couple nights, January, February of 09. And then another big one, Garth Brooks, February 20th. 21st, 27th, 28th, and March 20th of 2015. And then The Who, two shows in February of 2016. So obviously, this venue hosted a ton of shows, ton of big shows from 1979 all the way through 2017. But what's interesting is... The Palace of Auburn Hills opened, I want to say, 1988-89 time frame. So, obviously some of the tours ended up going there instead of downtown, but there were a lot of tours, and that would have been interesting to look at as well, that hit both the Palace and Detroit, either on different legs or even, I think there were situations where they'd hit one or the other and then two nights later they'd play <laughs> at the other venue which is interesting it's the same metropolitan area but they did that multiple times so moving on to this two night stand that i'm talking about so the kid rock <laughs> slash special guest set list rock and roll jesus welcome to the party ode to the old school Love Stinks, You Never Met a Motherfucker Quite Like Me, American Badass, Low Life, Cocky, All Summer Long, Roll On, Cowboy, Half Your Age, Only God Knows Why, Amen, Centerfold, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, Must Have Got Lost, Ramblin' Man, Son of Detroit, Devil Without a Cause, Rock Box, It's Like That, it's Tricky, You Be Illin', Here We Go, King of Rock, Walk This Way, Picture, So Hot, For What It's Worth, This Little Light of Mine, and Close the Show with Ba with the Ba. 
So just focusing on Kid Rock's discography. So no songs from Grits, Sandwiches for Breakfast, The Polyfuse Method, or Early Morning Stoned Pimp. Five songs from Devil Without a Cause, one song from The History of Rock, three songs from Cocky, one song from The Self-Titled, seven songs from Rock and Roll Jesus, and then three Jay Giles songs, seven Run DMC songs, and then four other covers. So again, this was an interesting way for Kid Rock to do this, bringing these guest stars on stage and playing different songs with them kind of interspersed throughout his set. And it actually it flowed pretty well. So I, I think it was a good idea and I think it worked. So obviously seven songs from Rock and Roll Jesus. So he was promoting that new album pretty hard. And, you know, I think everything that he played from there fit. And then the Jay Giles song, so Love Stinks was early on, brought Peter Wolf out, and then he came back out several songs later for Centerfold. Ain't Too Proud to Beg was in there, sandwiched between Must Have Got Lost and Centerfold. My guess is that Wolf stayed out for that song. I, I don't recall that for sure. And then Must Have Got Lost, classic 70s era Jay Giles song, so that was great. Ramblin' Man in there from Almond Brothers. So Dickie Betts came out for that song. And then Rev Run came out from Rockbox through Walk This Way, which was cool. And then for what it's worth, in this little light of mine there at the end, I think everybody came out for those songs, if I recall correctly. So again, overall, it was a great show. I mean, this was... You know, Kid Rock, obviously he was big in the late 90s, early 2000s, kind of fell off maybe a little bit. And then this album just catapulted him to uh, superstardom again. And this was a cool show to see. Obviously, it was great to see him in Detroit and to see a show in, in a sold out Joe Louis Arena was awesome. And... I know my brother had a blast walking up those steps of Joe Louis Arena, which they show in that ACDC concert from 1983. And just seeing a show in there, I'm sure, uh, was pretty special for him. And now on to the concert calendar. So for Kid Rock, just a few dates out there as of the recording of this episode. So July 8th, Nashville, Tennessee. July 14th and 15th, Detroit, Michigan. And then July 29th, Youngstown, Ohio in Ween Park. So the other artists that were on this bill, Peter Wolf, <laughs> no tour dates out there. Rev Run, no tour dates, and Dickie Betts, no tour dates at this time. And now on to the band on the Bill Spotlight. So as I mentioned earlier, this was the first time seeing Kid Rock in his hometown of Detroit, and not the last time. So I've got subsequent Kid Rock episodes coming up. So I thought, you know what? Let's spend a little time talking about the Jay Giles Band. So Peter Wolf on this tour saw him perform some Jay Giles Band songs and some other cover songs. So I thought, you know, never saw Jay Giles Band, never saw Peter Wolf on his own. So let's use this opportunity to dive into some of their stuff. And sticking with the theme of the podcast, going to talk about their three live albums. And all of those live albums have a tie-in with Detroit. So let's talk about Jay Giles' band a little bit. So Jay Giles, lead guitar, Peter Wolf, 
lead vocals, Danny Klein, bass, Stephen Joe Blad, drums, Magic Dick, harmonica, saxophone, trumpet, and Seth Justman, keys. So this was the lineup during their heyday and their, you know, decade-long run of albums, tours, and these three live albums. So let's talk about their connection with Detroit, because obviously they are a Boston-based band, but had an unbelievable following in the Motor City. So their self-titled debut was released November 16th, 1970, only charted at 195. The morning after, released October 2nd, 1971, charted at number 64. So then they released this live album, Live Full House, September 26, 1972, recorded at the Cinderella Ballroom, Detroit, Michigan. So this was produced by Jeffrey Haslam and Jay Giles Band, charted at number 54, and is actually certified gold. So only eight tracks on here. Kicks off with First I Look at the Purse, which is a great song title. Total Jam, great, great opener. Homework, another great song, very cool vibe. Pack Fair and Square, got some great Peter Wolf banter leading into that song. Upbeat, old school rock and roll, which is just okay to me. And again, at least it's short, <laughs> but uh, decent song. Whammer Jammer. Again, some more Peter Wolf banter. Great harmonica-filled jam. Kicks in a bit. Just a cool, cool jam song. Hard Driving Man. Great upbeat rocker. Jaunty piano in there. Again, great piano breakdown. Harmonizing vocal. Some Ooh Baby, I Love You's in there. Cool song. Next up, Serves You Right to Suffer. Slow, bluesy number. That's Why and Setting Down, Muddy Water Style, South Side of Chicago, Lines in there, Cool Song, Cruising for a Love, Old School Rock and Roll Again, Harmonica, Calls Out Jay Giles for the Solo, which is cool, Kicks into a Cool Rocker at the End, and then it closes out with Looking for a Love, Great Rocker and Closer, Outro, man, they, uh, they brought it tons of energy on that song. I mean, tons of energy on this whole album, but really at the end there, they really bring it. So then they released Bloodshot April 2nd, 1973, charted at number 10, also certified gold. Ladies Invited released November 9th, 1973, charted at number 51. Nightmares and Other Tales from the Vinyl Jungle was next, released September 25th, 1973, charted at number 26, and then Hotline, released September 9th, 1975, charted at number 36. So leading up to the next live album, Blow Your Face Out, here are some shows that they played in Detroit basically after that first live album kind of blew up for them and, and got them a gold record. So in 1973, they played the Masonic Temple in Detroit, April 11th, June 29th, June 30th, and then played Cobo Hall in the fall, October 4th of 1973. 1974, February 8th and 9th, Two shows at Cobo Hall, March 3rd and 4th, two shows at Cobo Hall, November 3rd, November 4th, two shows at Cobo Hall. <laughs> so, 1974, they played six times at Cobo Hall, and I'm sure it was sold out. And then 1975, November 19th, and November 29th both shows at Cobo Hall. 
So is it just me or is that insane <laughs> and unprecedented with regards to an artist that that's not their hometown and there was just some connection <laughs> with what Jay Giles were doing and the city of Detroit. So then Blow Your Face Out, released April 22nd, 1976, produced by Bill Simzik, Alan Blazik, and Seth Justman. Charted at number 40, and what I could find was that this thing was recorded both at the Boston Garden and Cobo Hall. Unfortunately, I don't have any information that shows which songs came from where. I mean, as you're listening to this album, you can hear Peter Wolf address the crowd, and he sometimes addresses it as Boston and addresses it as Detroit, but other times you don't know what song is coming from where. So this one kicks off with Peter Wolf saying it's good to be back home, which... Actually, could be either place. I mean, Boston is their hometown, but Detroit obviously was their home away from home. So this one kicks off with Southside Shuffle. Hell of a scream from Wolf as that thing kicks off. And he uh, ends up saying, play it Jerome before the solo, which I think is pretty cool. Back to Getcha is just okay. Shoot your shot, cool groove. I said, yeah, yeah, baby, I shoot your shot. I said, yeah, yeah, baby, and I show what you got. Must have got lost is next. Classic Peter Wolf rap leading up to that song where he mispronounces Rapunzel <laughs> as Rotumba, but this song's a jam. Just a great, great song. Must have got lost. Must have got lost. Must have got lost somewhere down the line. Next up, cover of Where Did Our Love Go? This has got to be in Detroit. I mean, I'm sure they were doing it on this tour, but lends itself to Motown. Just, eh, just a okay. The solo is pretty cool. Kind of that main... Where did our love go? Melody in the solo. So, but the song, eh, not not great. Truck driving man. He says something about it being a request, which not sure who would request this song. Not a fan. Luckily, it's only two minutes long. Loveitis. <laughs> Intro into this song. Kinda sounds like something that. Uh, Paul Stanley might have uh, ripped off for uh, Dr. Love a couple years later. Love trouble! Love trouble! He didn't have no prescription. I couldn't make the description. He said, Wolf, you got a case called Love Island. All right! I know. I know everybody's hot. Everybody's got rock and roll pneumonia. So let's call out. Levitis is a jam. Great chorus. Levitis got a hold on me. Levitis got control of me. And then they do kind of an intro looking for love, which is that song from the first live album that they closed out with. But they just do a little, kind of a little tease of it. It's just about two minutes long. Very cool. Next up, Ain't Nothing But a House Party. Great backing vocals, great screams, just a just a jam. So sharp, great groove, great vibe to that song. And then Detroit Shakedown, which they obviously wrote about Detroit. And on this recording, Peter Wolf addresses Boston. What the fuck? What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. So they used the version from the Boston recording. Whatever. Maybe there was something wrong with the Detroit recording, but that that was a little odd. Chimes, mellow vibe. I hear chimes, organ melody in there. Some long, long jamming going on, but very, very cool song. Next up, Snow Cone. 
instrumental, and then there's a kind of a drum solo in there. Then next up, wait, cool vibe, great call and response in the chorus, cool, cool track. Raise your hands, this is a, a good rocker in there. Next up, start over, awesome song, mellow, cool guitar tone, just reminds me a lot of the Stones. And then it closes out with Give It To Me, Breakdown, song takes a turn, and it's awesome. Why keep me cold when it's so warm inside? Come on, baby, your love is too good to hide. Whoa, yeah, just a great, great part of the song. Great jam. Oh, yeah, call and response and other interjections as this kind of builds and builds to the crescendo of the end of the show. So then they released Monkey Island, June 9th, 1977, charted number 51. Sanctuary, November of 78, charted at 49, certified gold. Love Stinks, released January 28th, 1980, charted at 18, certified gold. And then Freeze Frame, released October 26th, 1981, charted at number one, and is certified platinum. So before talking about the third live album, going to go through some of the shows they played in Detroit during this period. So after Blow Your Face Out was released, they came back and played Cobo Hall on June 11th of 76. And then about a year later, June 18th of 77, they played the Silver Dome in Pontiac with Peter Frampton and the Steve Miller Band. What a bill. And then that September of 77, they played Cobo Hall. Took 1978 off, and then June of 1979, three nights at Pine Knob Music Theater in Clarkston, Michigan. So that's the big amphitheater in suburban Detroit. And then after that show on the 12th of June, they played Bookie's Club 870 in Detroit. This hush-hush gig was played straight after completing their last show at the Knob under the alias Jimmy and the Juke Joints. So then 1980 comes around. Four shows at Cobo Hall in April of 1980 and four shows at Pine Knob in July of 1980. 1981, six shows at Pine Knob in September of that year. And then 1982, three shows at Cobo Hall in January of that year, and six shows at Pine Knob in September of 1982, which is just incredible. What an unbelievable run of shows in Detroit over about that 10-year period. Unbelievable. So then to close out with the third live album that they released, so Showtime, released November 12, 1982, produced by Seth Justman, charted at 23 and is certified gold. So this one recorded at Pine Knob Music Theater. So the introduction, listen to that live Pine Knob crowd. Amazing. Kicks off with Just Can't Stop Me. Great rocker and great choice to kick off the show. Just Can't Stop Me. No. Verse 2 throws in a Detroit Are You Gonna Rock Me line. Outro, hey, hey, hey's, and goes double time. Just tons of energy. Right after that song, you hear Peter Wolf say, Thank you, no sense wasting any time. Let me hear you, Jay. (laughs) And he kicks into the riff to Just Can't Wait. Sounds great. Breakdown, just can't wait. Some baba da da's in there. Very cool. Next up, Till the Walls Come Tumbling Down. Eh, just okay. Sounds really stray cats-ish, which not a, don't have a problem with the stray cats, but eh, just not a huge fan of this track. 
Next up, Sanctuary, great rocker, backing vocals and underlying riff during the chorus. I'm Falling is next, mellow, very stonesy again. Cool song and great, uh, great trumpet or sax solo in there. Hell, maybe there was some harmonica in there as well. And then it lists this love rap before love stinks and Peter Wolf goes on and on about Adam and Eve and it's actually pretty funny. Love stinks, more up-tempo. Missed a great opportunity, however, for just the crowd participation going into the chorus. They still have a guy kind of doing the low register love stinks, which... Uh, it doesn't really pull it off, and I don't know why they wouldn't just let the crowd scream that. It, it would have uh, it would have been awesome. Stoop down number thirty nine, upbeat jam, jaunty piano, harmonica intro for the first minute twenty kicks into an actual song. Then great groove, great jam in there, and solo, outro, horns, power chords, stoop, stoop, stoop down, baby, and then some na na nas. Next up, I do upbeat classic, the do do do's, do do do's. Always reminds me of the guys singing on the street corner in those first couple Rocky movies. Take it back. Do 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 do. Take it back. Do do do. I said I've been told by do 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 some people and they all said take it back. Next up, centerfold, drum intro into the keyboard melody. Pre-chorus, the bass is really popping in there. Chorus, backing vocals are great. My blood runs cold. Fantastic. They break down the na-na-na part, but they don't really let the crowd <laughs> do it, which doesn't make sense, but maybe there's so much na-na-nas going on it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't work great with just the crowd. I don't know. And then they closed out with Land of a Thousand Dances. Works as a closer. Interjections in there. Do the Detroit Breakdown, Motor City Shakedown, more na-na-nas. Again, don't really let the crowd get in the spotlight uh, with that part. And that wraps up the show. So obviously, 11 tracks. That's not the full show that they did. I'm not sure why they only released 11. And where in the hell is the song freeze frame <laughs> that's a huge huge omission in my book so anyway kind of cool to go back and listen to these live albums tons of energy on all three of them fun listens and again just that connection with detroit <laughs> is just amazing and again i thought they were from detroit when i initially kind of learned of all these live albums being recorded there and all the shows that they did, but nope, it was just their home away from home. And now on to the Slam Fest tip of the week. So when my brother and I <laughs> get together, sometimes there are walks to venues <laughs> that aren't very good ideas after we have been pre-gaming and unfortunately here is another example of that we were staying downtown detroit actually not too far away from ford field and comerica park so <laughs> cobo hall and joe lewis arena which are right next to each other little bit of a walk and we were in early february and it was the dead of winter and we didn't totally think this <laughs> through 
and we made this walk. We bundled up. I brought extra stuff, hats, gloves, neck warmer stuff. <laughs> and so we make this walk. And I mean, I think the temperature was below zero and it was windy. So we were well, well below zero with the wind chill. So we, <laughs> we walk and we end up getting close to what I've talked about before Kobo Joe's, which was this cool bar kind of between Joe Lewis Arena and Kobo Hall, hence the name Kobo Joe's. And there was another bar close to there called the Drink Hall, I believe that's what it was called even back then. And we ducked in there just to get out of the cold. I think we may have gotten a drink, which we really didn't need after pre-gaming all afternoon. But then we did, I think, go into Kobo Joe's as well, just as we made our way to the venue. And again, luckily, you get to this area of Joe Lewis, and you've got to go kind of through these uh, pedestrian walkways, which are luckily covered. And so we, we kind of lucked out a little bit uh, with regards to, to that, but not a good decision. And some other past decisions that weren't good. So we were in Chicago for the ACDC Ball Breaker Tour, staying downtown Chicago, and we walked to the United Center. <laughs> was was uh, not a scenic route back uh, back then. And another one was the Hershey Park, Pennsylvania, Kiss Poison, Rock the Nation tour, where we were wherever our hotel was, and we ended up walking to Hershey Park Stadium, which took way longer. I think we got lost and we missed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> missed part of Poison's set. So Matt and I walking to a venue from a hotel does not equate to a good decision at all. And now to close this episode out with a which side are you on? Sticking with the Jay Giles band theme going to do side one or side two from their compilation album flashback the best of the jay giles band released in march 1985 multiple producers on this thing since it's a compilation no charting and no certification information available which there's no way that this didn't chart and unless they didn't go through the certification process i don't think there's any way that this wasn't certified at least gold most likely platinum so 10 tracks off of this thing which makes it easy and there's actually a cover a live cover on both sides so it kicks off with love stinks great drum intro kind of reminds me of kind of always reminded me of paradise city from guns and roses riff Great tone, lots of space in there. Pre-chorus, gotta love the power chord kind of sustaining in there. Great breakdown, riff, palm muting in there. Great, great song. Next up, freeze frame, keyboard melody, infectious throughout the whole song. Got horns in there. Pre-chorus has got some keys. Tease the chorus the first time around. When they get to that chorus, great call and response, cool breakdown, camera sound effects, almost chaotic, and then the outro, great, great interjections from Wolf. Next up, Flamethrower, call and response, kind of with the horns as it kicks off, versus harmonizing, it's okay, almost sounds like they're trying to imitate the Stones' emotional rescue. Chorus, she's a flame, and then backing vocals, flay a e a e aim thrower. <laughs> she's a flamethrower at night. She's a flay a e a e a e 
aim thrower, a red hot blower. Eh, I don't know. Not great. Breakdown, keys, synth is okay. Outro, harmonica, percussion. <laughs> There's a lot going on as this song comes to a close. Next up, Just Can't Wait, which I talked about on the live album Showtime. Great riff. Lots of space in there. Enter some keys. Sounds like something the Hooters would eventually do. Chorus, great hand claps in there. I just can't wait. Call and response with main keyboard melody. Chorus, breakdown, tailor-made for the live setting. Outro chorus, again, great wolf interjections. He's uh, really, really good at that. And then this side closes out with I Do. So the live version off of Showtime. So the Marvelos cover. This was a hit during the summer of 1965. Great song. And as I mentioned when talking about the live version, it reminded me of some of that street singer stuff that was featured in the Rocky movies. And I'm a sucker for any do-do-do's. And there are a lot of them in this song how many you might ask well <laughs> the main ones because i know there are some underlying ones throughout some of the verses but the main ones there's 118 of them and that stat is for the one and only sunny pooney side two kicks off with centerfold Keyboard melody again, infectious, similar to freeze frame. Chorus, my blood runs cold. My memory has just been sold. My angel is the centerfold. Angel is the centerfold. So good. After the second chorus, you get the na-na-na's in there. And verse three, I can remember, I mentioned my brother having the 45s of this in freeze frame. My mom was not a fan of verse three. Take your car, yes we will, we'll take your car and drive it. We'll take it to a motel room and take them off in private. <laughs> so, not, uh, not something that mom's going to approve of. Outro, chorus, great na-na-na's, and the whistling of the main melody, which we always tried to determine where the whistling started. But listening to it now, it's actually pretty easy. It starts pretty much at the beginning of the outro, even though that, I guess, could be a keyboard, but it sounds a lot like a whistling early on in the outro. Next up, come back, cool main riff keys in there, and what I'm going to call neck slides, which is a cool touch. Chorus, come back, some more neck slides, backing vocals, baby, come back, won't you come back to me? And a great solo in there as well. Next up, Wild Man. Cool piano intro into a very stonesy verse. Again, mentioning a lot of uh, stones comparisons, which I never really thought of much with the Jay Giles band, but kind of diving into them a little bit more here, they were heavily influenced by the stones. Piano and bass lines, very prominent. And Peter Wolf, again, doing his best Jagger impression chorus i'm a wild man i'm a child man i'm a wild man and i'm screaming at the borderline underlying riffing and jaunty piano during that chorus is very cool next up one last kiss cool vibe bass line sounds a lot like dire straits lead melody harmonizing in there chorus bass and the good times are the best times the bad times fade away. The good times are forever, but now, baby, the last time is today. Percussion <laughs> there at the end of the chorus sounds a lot like Then He Kissed Me and Love on a Rooftop, which for those Desmond Child fans out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. Guitar solo, main melody, some harmonizing in there as well, and then there's also a great harmonica solo. And then the side and the album close out with a cover of Land of a Thousand Dances, which comes off of Showtime as well. It's okay, not as good or unique as I do from a cover standpoint, 
yeah, everyone seems to cover <laughs> Land of a Thousand Dances, but uh, I do. Jay Giles Band kind of made that their song. So again, this is okay. Little surprise they put it on this compilation, but they did, and they used it to close it out. So, you know, looking at these two sides, I mean, Love Stinks is great, side one. Freeze Frame, you know, Freeze Frame or Centerfold, Centerfold or Freeze Frame. I, I'd probably have to give the edge to Freeze Frame. I think I'm a, a bigger fan of that song. Flamethrower, not a fan. Just Can't Wait is great. And that cover of I Do, I mentioned, was really, really good. So again, side two has got its moments. I mean, Centerfold is good. Just don't think it's as good as Freeze Frame. Comeback is cool. Wild Man, One Last Kiss are, are decent tracks. And then closes out with Land of a Thousand Dances. So Freeze Frame better than Centerfold. I Do is better than Land of a Thousand Dances. And then you've got Love Stinks and Just Can't Wait on side one. I think I gotta go side one over side two of the Jay Giles Band's 1985 compilation Flashback. Best of the Jay Giles Band. Did anyone see Kid Rock live in 2008 with special guests Peter Wolf, Rev Run, and Dickie Betts on most of the shows? If so, when and where, and what were your thoughts, memories, or stories from that show? What are your thoughts on the Jay Giles Band's three live albums? Full House from 1972, Blow Your Face Out from 1976, and Showtime from 1982. And last but not least, what are your thoughts on the Jay Giles Band's compilation flashback, The Best of the Jay Giles Band, from 1985? Side 1 or Side 2? Let us know your thoughts by emailing us at slamfestpodcast at gmail.com or request to join our private Facebook page at Slamfest Podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Slamfest.